Welcome to the Life Story Coach Podcast, where you'll hear interviews, tips, and advice on the craft and business of personal history and life story writing, with your host, Amy Woods Butler. Hello, listeners. Thanks for joining in. This is part two of my interview with Gloria Nussbaum of Real to Real. If you missed the first part, you can find that at thelifestorycoach.com. Look for episode 67. And in this episode, Gloria will talk to us a little bit more about how she creates her audio life story projects for clients. And if you're interested, you can go over to the website, look for either part one or part two of this episode. So either episode 67 or 68. And I'll have a link to the equipment list that she provided. So you can actually see the brand names she uses and exactly what she's using for her recording kit. I hope you enjoy the episode. Thanks for joining in. You generally have questions that you know you're going to ask. You have in general a two hour session. And then you said that some people have, sometimes it's an hour, sometimes it's 14 plus hours of interviews. Now, is that always part of the conversation that you have with people before you even start a project? Or do people sometimes not know what they want that, and maybe they think that they're going to get it all told within an hour or two, but then they extend it and it ends up being double digit hours? Good question. So it really varies from from client to client, project to project. Sometimes it depends on money, and sometimes it's just just get the inter- just get the stories however long it takes. It doesn't really matter to us however long it takes. Just get the stories. Those are the ones I really like. <laughs> but because sometimes it's really it is really hard to know where to stop or where to start with with the shorter ones. But the main thing that I try to make sure is that people understand what the price is. So let's maybe talk about money a little bit right at this juncture. So I basically have two I have two levels. One I call my Cadillac level, which still doesn't come anywhere close to a video or a book price. And then I and then I have my what I call the plain interview. So for years and years I started doing this work years ago when I had was doing it on cassette tapes. And as anybody who's worked with cassette tapes knows, you can't edit a cassette tape. They're, they're, you just plain can't. I mean, with reel-to-reel tapes, you really can edit. And I'm old enough to know how to do that, but I'm so thankful that I don't have to anymore. But cassettes, no. But I, I really credit working with cassettes for me learning how to interview because that made me learn to keep my mouth shut and not step on my interviewee because I knew I couldn't do anything about it. So that was really, really good training. So if you want a good training, go back and get a cassette recorder and try it. (laughs) But even then, I would still go back and listen to it all and then say, so many minutes, so many minutes in, we talked about this, 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 and this. But now we're in the digital age and I do record digitally. So I record, dump it into my computer and use my uh, audio editing software. And so what I call my Cadillac version is, this is a completely edited version of the interview. And what I am doing, I am not moving things around. I am basically, this is my little catch line, I am making you sound just a little bit better than you actually sound. Hmm. That's the purpose of editing 
when I'm editing audio interviews. I do not add music. I do not add pictures. If you want any of that stuff done, I have a lot of colleagues who would be more than happy to help you with that. What I am doing is simply taking out your ums and ahs. I am maybe shortening silences when you stop to think for a little bit. Although I have to say, silence is an incredibly important part of audio work. Sometimes you have to leave in at least some of that silence. I probably would shorten some of it, but sometimes the silence speaks louder than the words. And again, here comes my bias. You can't get that silence on a piece of paper. You can get it in video, but you can't get it on a piece of paper. And silence is a part of the story. But that's what I'm doing. I'm cleaning it up. If I do sometimes know if somebody has kind of faltered, well, yeah, and they make false, false starts a lot like I just did. Like I would edit that piece out if I were editing myself. But that's what I do when it's the edited version. I charge by the recorded hour. The recorded hour with recorded in capital letters because this is the part people have trouble understanding and I haven't come up with a better way to do it in all these years. But I charge $300 per recorded hour. That includes the actual interview and it includes my editing. It includes me producing the final product, which has been CDs, but I'm very much moving toward flash drives now. And that price includes all my work and editing. As you know, audio editing takes forever. So yes. I kind of, my basis is kind of for each hour that's recorded, it takes me four to five hours to edit that hour. Mm-hmm. So, but it right. still feels like, and so, so if we end up doing, you know, three hours of stories, then 300 times three is $900. So, You've already, you've already come in under $1,000 and you've got three hours worth of stories. Like I would challenge anybody working in any other format <laughs> to have that kind of price. Now, right, exactly. I'm not right. getting well, rich. And that's just, just to even to interject there, especially if somebody is just getting up on their feet with their, with their personal history business, if they have the, the skills to do audio interviews and you know, not everybody is, and especially not right off of the bat, because like you said, there are some specialty interviewing skills um, that you have to apply for this type when the audio is the end product. But if they do have that and they can offer that, um, you know, maybe they want to focus on books, but they have the audio as another option for people. It's nice because you can work with people of different budgets. And one just really nice way to phrase it up and that I've used before, and I don't do audio so much anymore, but what I, when I used to, it'd be, you know, you can get audio for hundreds of dollars. You can get books for thousands or tens of thousands of dollars. And, and it does sort of put it into perspective for people. And, and it's all about getting the story down, right? Exactly. So it, Right. And, and if you can get the story down in a certain format for hundreds of dollars and you can afford hundreds of dollars, oh my gosh, then that's such a, it's such a beautiful service to offer to people. Exactly. Exactly. And once you've got the audio, 
you can do anything with it. You can always get it transcribed and turn it into a book. The possibilities there are endless. Or if you would want to somehow make it into a video, this can be the soundtrack for the video. Get the grandkids involved. Go through some old pictures. When you talked about the family farm, you find some pictures. Get the grandkids involved. You're telling the story. I mean, people with much more technical expertise than I can do this stuff. And that's another reason that I do what I do. And it's because I know how to do what I do. <laughs> and I've actually had people say to me, oh, Gloria, when you really get this figured out, then you'll work in video. And I can only shake my head and say, you just don't get it. <laughs> exactly. No, don't get it. I am in love with audio. If I wanted to do video, do you not think that I would have figured that out by now? Right. Exactly. <laughs> I just love audio. And, and I know that there aren't that many of us who do only audio. And again, that's a niche for me. So that's like one of the things that makes me unique. People say, what makes you unique in your field? And mine is, I work in audio. And I like being able to say that. You said that you're getting away from CDs. So when you do deliver the product as a CD, do you do artwork and do you divide the recording into tracks or is it basically one long track? Excellent. Yes, I do divide it up into tracks and I name those tracks. It's actually, thank you. So when I'm, and even I'm, even as I'm putting them onto flash drives, I'm still kind of doing that just because I think it's really helpful because you can often see that on your computer screen. So yes, and that is one of the other things that I do when I'm editing. I don't even think about the tracks when I'm doing the actual interviewing. That all happens in the, the editing process. So yes, I do divide it up into tracks. It comes out to be probably about every 10, 10 to 12 minutes more or less. And, and as I say, then I name those tracks. And then, and, then, and then is there any kind of paper enclosure that has the titles of the tracks or maybe what the content is for each of those tracks? That's on the back of the album. So I print CDs and I, I print them on my printer, which no longer likes printing CDs. It likes to leave little ink blotches. So among other things, CDs, I still believe in them. And especially if I'm working with older people, they understand CDs and they still like CDs because what do you do with this little flash drive? I mean, you, I paid you all this money and this is what you're giving me. But I put my CDs into these little albums that I find from a company in Alabama that can hold anywhere from two to 20 CDs. And I have them in varying numbers. So the CDs get printed. There's not what I would call artwork, but it does say on the front of the CD what the title is for that session and the date that we recorded it and what number the CD is because if there's there's usually multiple because there's about an hour that fits on each CD so you need multiple if you're having multiple hours of stories then you have multiple CDs they go into this little case and then actually I have someone else who does my covers for this little case and the cover is simply an insert and if you're paying me the 300 per recorded hour, then you get to have a picture on the cover of your CD. You get to tell me what the name of your book is. If you don't come up with a name, I will simply say stories from my life is my general title if you don't have one, but you're welcome to come up with your own title. And then on the back of, this, of the little case are listed all the tracks and the names of them. 
So it's a really lovely finished product when it's a CD because you can tell in an instant like what the content of a CDs is. And people, I always make sure they see the back and they go, wow, that is just so cool. And the projects that I've done, the audio projects that I've done, which, you know, granted, there's not that many of them. So maybe I would get quicker at it. But that was probably the hardest part of the editing, not creating the tracks, but actually naming them. And and I think that I would also include just a little bit about what was on each of the tracks. Uh, and that was, <laughs> frankly, that was pretty exhausting. That, that It took a lot of time to do that. But what I'd like to jump into is you said that you have two different packages. So we talked about the higher end one. What is the second package that you offer? So the second package is basically the raw interview, what I call the raw interview. And the price for that is half, $150 per recorded hour. What that is, is I still, I have been putting tracks on them while I was doing them on CDs, but the tracks weren't named, although sometimes I can't help myself and I name them anyway. But those I simply usually used to say when I was being good about not spending so much time was that there's a track about every 10 minutes, because especially on CDs, I don't want you to have to start at the beginning every time. And I think just making sure that there's a track there that that makes it user friendly. And that's really important to me. There's no, they're still in the same package kind of package. I do not put a picture on the cover, and sometimes I'll let you pick your title anyway. That's not a big deal. And then on the back, it simply says, this is the number of CDs, and the, this, these CDs had five tracks, and these had two or whatever, and it's just, it's just really basic, and it doesn't give you any specific information about what topics were covered. If you know that the, that the topics are pretty much chronological for the most part, then you can get some sense of it. But if you're not paying me to tell you all of this stuff, then I'm not going to. I do have to say that I probably edit those unedited ones a little more than I can or should. <laughs> I not can, but because I can't help myself. I mean, it's just really hard when I, when I have someone who says, um, 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 and I know what it looks like going across my screen that I can almost take those out without listening <laughs> because you look, you know what they look like, but let's just say that they're unedited and, but you still, and I tell people, assuming that the interviews went really well, I have a, on occasion have people who said, well, either one doesn't really matter. And I've, after I've conducted the interview, I've said, you know what, in good conscience, I cannot give you the unedited one. It is it is really not, you're not going to be happy with it. Please, please let me give you a good product and you just pay me for it because sometimes the interview just does not go well enough to allow for that. But generally speaking, it is what it is. And you still got more than you had before we started. You still got whatever time we did, you still got those stories and they're good. And I know how to interview. So you still got a pretty good product. Do you find that more people choose the the edited or the unedited versions? Not after the fact, but when you sit down and, and they actually hire you, are more people interested in the, the uh, more expensive package? 
it really varies. Lately, there have been some people who've said, you know, just just give me the unedited one. And I say, okay, that's fine, no problem. But it just really varies. Some people say, yeah, no, I, yeah, let's clean it up. I mean, and I try to explain to them, you know, it's a once in a lifetime kind of thing that we're doing here. Right. It's, you know, what did you pay for a one-time event? What did you pay for a wedding? You know, how much did you pay for your college education? These, these lines that we learned to use, but that we truly believe as well. And some people will say, you know, I just think we'll be happier with, with the cleaned up version. And I say, okay, that's great. Would you mind taking a few moments and just telling us about your equipment setup and any recommendations that you might want to give to somebody who's thinking about starting off doing audio personal histories? So my equipment setup is that I have a digital recorder that no longer is made. Mine is a Marantz 660-660 that I've oh, that's had. Beautiful. I've, yes, I've borrowed one from a colleague. That's a beautiful recorder. I love this recorder with a passion. And I've trained several APH colleagues in the past on how to use this machine after someone actually took the time and taught me how to use mine. And if you're really careful with it, it works really well. But find a digital recorder that works for you. This one works really well for me because I'm getting older and it has a really nice display that I can see and that lights up. And also I can set it to record sort of like I used to record on cassettes. You can set this to start new when you're recording, there are tracks that you're recording onto as well, as opposed to the ones that you put on when you're editing. But I can set it up so that I, being mathematically challenged, I can glance down and see where I started with the, the digital readout, and then I know how far in I am. The other thing that I do is I always I always have a piece of paper with me and I make notes on it and I always write down say that I started on track you know 37 and then I have it set up for 30 second I mean 30 minute intervals and that means that when it gets to 39 that I've recorded an hour's worth of stories etc cetera, etc. Cetera. But anyway that's my machine. I have Audio Technica lapel microphones and I just bought two brand new ones of those. And I have a piece of paper with all of this information that I can get to you, Amy, if that's at all. Okay, that would be great. Right. Well, okay, the Audio-Technica lapel mics, do they have any kind of indicator light to show that they're switched on or off? They don't. There is a little switch that you switch on. And... But I'm again, I've done this for so long and I have a cheat. I used to have a cheat sheet and I rec this is what I recommend highly. Good question. Have a cheat sheet for yourself. It's a checklist of all the things that need to happen when you're right there in front of in front of the person. And you know what? What I I went back and looked at some of the, the workshops that I used to do for the association and I found some really good tips for myself. One of them is when you go in, especially as a new a new personal historian, so the chances are that the person with whom you are working has never heard of a personal historian, has never met another personal historian, and so you come in as the expert. Now, you don't feel very expert right now because you're getting started, but you are the expert to this person. So take on that mantle. Whatever you tell them, this is how it works, that's how it works. So have this little piece of paper that says, you know, first of all, plug in the recorder. Make sure that you plug in the 
the microphones into the recording. I do not work wirelessly. Let me quickly add, I will only work with cables because I don't know interference can happen and I don't want interference. So always work with them. I don't have a backup recorder because I either get the story or I don't. But uh, turn it, flip the switch on your little lapel microphone. Um, I mean, just make yourself a cheat sheet and, and include absolutely everything, even though it seems like, oh, I'll never forget to do this. Trust me, you might. So make yourself a checklist of all the things that you need to do. Make it a template. And then each time you can just print it out and check it off at each interview. So that's how you can make sure that everything that needs to happen is happening. Then I put on my headsets. And again, I've had people say early on, oh, don't you think it's distracting to the person you're talking to that you're wearing headphones? And I say, well, duh, no, I'm the expert. This is how it works. If I tell them that I need to put on my headphones, I've never had anyone say, oh, I really think you look ugly with those on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's part of our equipment, right, Amy? It's what we do. I explain that I need to wear these to hear what is going into the, into the recorder. And once we're kind of set up, um, it's really simple. And that's the other thing about audio. It doesn't take a ton of equipment. I used to drive a little Beetle and I have a little computer case that all of my equipment fits into. And I used to tell people, so I can't have any more equipment than this because number one, I can't carry more than this. And number two, it won't fit in my car. In the car. <laughs> That's great. So with you just, there's so little equipment to deal with when you're working in audio. And, you know, you've been doing this for a long time for people who are getting started. Practice, 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 practice with the equipment before you go, whether you're doing a volunteer project because you're just getting started and you need samples or you're going, especially you're going to a paying client, practice with that equipment so that you just know it backwards and forwards so that you can be the expert when you sit down with them and you start setting up your equipment. Absolutely. And, you know, I just have to say, I understand that Studs Turkle, who if you're a personal historian and you don't know that name, you need to Google it and find out. Love but, him. And you know what? They just released a whole uh, bunch of his recordings. Oh. Uh, yeah, there's, and I, I, I should remember, um, there's, I think it's a podcast that's going to be releasing them sort of in, in little driblets, but I think that you can access um, the whole repository now, which is pretty exciting because it's studs. That's awesome. But he used to say, I understand that he used to say that he would kind of fumble with the equipment sometimes, not because he wanted to, but because he really wasn't that good with it. And that that just helped to make him more more normal, more, more, you know, human. And so that sets, and that sets people at ease as, as long as it's, as it's not too ridiculous, but you were absolutely right. Practice, practice, practice. One other thing that I just talked to a new personal historian just a couple of days ago, we had a wonderful phone conversation and I said to her, so this is the other thing that I recommend that you do because it's hard to say that you're a personal historian if you're just getting started and you say, but what right do I have to tell people that that's what I am? So I tell them, just stand in front of the mirror and tell yourself that and just do it like all the time until you can do it without laughing or without, you know, <laughs> have a nice smile, but not going, oh my gosh, really? No, they tell yourself, I'm a personal historian. I'm a personal historian. I'm a personal historian. And just keep telling yourself that until you can say it to other people and believe it. 
you know, you were talking about the interview that I did with Latisse Stewart. That was probably one of the greatest gifts that she gave me was the recommendation. Now, we were talking about the sales conversation, but it, it applies to anything having to do with you as a professional personal historian whether it's the little short snippet of practicing saying I'm a personal historian or whether it's a little bit, you know, you write out a paragraph and you, and you keep practicing and saying it and saying it over and over again, you know, maybe how much you charge or what the process looks like or why you're the one qualified, you know, why Gloria Nussbaum is the one who you need to hire because she so strongly believes in the power of voice, whatever it is, to, to practice it in the mirror, to practice it when you're taking walks, and then it becomes second nature. And it and the more you practice, it seems um, what am I? <laughs> counterintuitive. Uh, but the more you practice, the more the more conversational it comes off when you actually do say something. And you know, I'm embarrassed. I'm 52, and I only just learned that little that little trick. And it's it works wonders. So I, I hear you. I, I love that you're that you are advising newer people in the industry to, to do that. One last question before I let you go. Um, so you talked about your equipment setup. What do you use for audio editing? I have a Mac, an Apple Mac, and I use Sound Studio as my software. And I've discovered several years ago that, that Mac actually likes Sound Studio, so they support it. There's a, a, another long conversation. I'm actually not updating my system right now because one of the ways that I use Sound Studio, they don't make it anymore. So I'm using an older version and I just cannot allow myself to update right now because otherwise it's going to cost me another click of the mouse every time I want to edit. And I just can't quite bear that. I've been in touch with Sound Studio. I have their email right here actually in front of me as we speak saying, please, 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 in your next versions, go back to this. But um, well, I'm, I'm in the same shoes as you because I have a desktop and a laptop and I cannot um, update either one of them right now yep. because it will throw off everything with um, InDesign, with Photoshop. with a, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh, that just warms my cockles of my heart to hear there's someone else because I oh, tell yeah. people that technology is the bane of my existence, especially when you work in audio because it just keeps doing crazy things. And I just simply... You know, God forbid that, that one of these two, because I'm working on a desktop as well, that somebody by mistake updates my, my system. I will be in so much trouble. <laughs> yeah, you don't want the gremlin sneaking in and no. hitting update on your, yeah, on your computer. <laughs> okay. Well, Gloria, can you tell people where they can find you? I absolutely can. My website is www.real dash to dash r e e l dot org o r g. Okay, so that's real as in reality, real to real as in real to real tapes. Very exactly, clever. and they are dashes; they are not underlines. Okay, very good. And for listeners, I will have links to everything that we talked about in the show notes for today's episode. Just look for Gloria Nussbaum and Gloria. Thank you so much for sharing with us today. What an absolute pleasure, Amy. Thank you so much for the invitation. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of the Life Story Coach podcast. That was part two of our conversation with Gloria Nosbaum. And again, if you'd like to see links to her website, or if you want to download a copy of her equipment list that gives all of the details about what she uses to do her audio recordings with her clients, head over to thelifestorycoach.com and look for episode 68, or I probably have the link on episode 67 as well. I hope that you have gotten some ideas that you can bring back to use in your own business. And if this has helped at all, please consider going to iTunes and leaving a review. I am so happy that you joined us. Until next time, go out and save someone's story.